All right. Um, today, I'm gonna just gonna I'm gonna preach a very simple message. Okay, very simple. I'm gonna keep it pretty simple. I want you guys to turn your Bibles to James. We're gonna look at James chapter three. And uh, we're going to look at James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Uh, I'll take a verse, and you guys can take a verse. I'll start. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Yikes. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? All right. So for the last message of the semester, I'm going to talk a little bit about the tongue. Can I talk about the tongue? I have a cousin who has such a cute uh, son. His name is Soren. And when he was little, he did this little, like, tricks with his tongue. Basically, all day he would just go, like, just all day. And I know watching me do it is, like, just unsightly. But for him, for a little baby, it was quite cute. I promise. But the tongue is a small part of our body. But how many of you guys know that it's one of the most powerful members of your body? You guys know that? It says here... How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. You know, my mom's visiting. She's in town right now. And uh, it's just been so good spending time with my mom. I mean, she drives me crazy. But, but, she still drives me crazy. <laughs> no, she drives me crazy. But, you know, it's, in, in the past, um, it's been, I've always would always be so stressed out spending time with my mom. And uh, it would always be a, a source of like, I guess to put it simply, uh, I always felt like my mom criticized everything I did. Uh, but after a lot of reconciliation and inner healing between my mom and myself, I feel like I finally know her heart behind what she says. So it's kind of like she still says some of the same things, but it, it hits me completely different if that makes sense. Rather than you're nothing, you're not good enough, uh, you need to be better, because that's what I used to hear. Even though, was, even though that's not what she said directly, I used to hear those words. Now I very much hear, um, you know, I'm proud of you. You can be better. I believe in you. And so it's a completely different experience with my mom. But she's been here, and what's been so cool about it is my mom's been sharing a lot of testimonies with what's been going on back at home with her. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about church drama, 
I don't know if you guys know anything about Korean churches, but Korean churches just got mad drama. And, you know, a lot of the, the reason why Korean churches have so much drama is because people don't know how to tame their tongue. Okay, and let me, let me tell you this. I don't know if it, I don't think it's just Korean women. And I don't think it's just Korean men or Korean people. I just think in general, people just like to gossip. Okay, if you look at, if you go to the supermarket and you hit the register, there's a little bit of a, you know, uh, it always gets me the candy section. It's like right when you're waiting online and it's like this whole like candy section. And then right next to the candy section is always like the Us Weekly, the OK Magazine, um, Star, all the tabloids. What are those magazines basically filled with? Gossip. Are they actually responsible for telling the truth? They're kind of not. They're not really held accountable. And here's all this gossip. And people are obsessed with the gossip, celebrity gossip, or what's going on here and there. Unfortunately, that wasn't just limited in, in the world, but it found its way very much in the church, at least where I was growing up. And people just gossiped all the time. Now, I can't really hate because I used to gossip all the time, too. I was a pro. Um, and um, I just... I didn't really think about how, and it's funny because I was such a victim of gossip myself, yet I was also uh, someone that gossiped all the time. And so my mom, we were just talking about church drama. She was telling me about some of the things that she had to endure during her time back in New York. And, and she shared the story with me. Actually, uh, recently, uh, one of the biggest New York, Korean New York churches had a huge scandal. Now, what had happened was the lead pastor um, he had a room. It's kind of like a pastor's room in the church where it had a bed and like a shower, kind of a place where he can stay when he needed to, you know, stay overnight to work on messages. Unfortunately, what happened in, the, in that room was he had an affair uh, with a woman. And uh, he didn't stop there, but he ended up having another affair with a younger woman. Uh, and, and when the older woman found out about the younger woman, she got so upset that she went and told all of the elders and the leaders of the church what the pastor had done. And she goes, you guys may not know this, but we have been sleeping together. And not only that, but he's sleeping right now with this younger woman. Okay. And so it was just drama. Now it just got full-blown chaos in the newspaper, you know, in the Korean times, amongst the mouths of ajumas calling each other, like just everybody and their mama knew that this church had gone through this huge scandal. Now, it, it was crazy. And something, it's, it's heartbreaking, actually. But that pastor, just for a side note, he ended up going in front of the whole church and confessing that he was completely guilty. And he just got on his knees and repented and left the church. And the, he, they were part of PCUSA, which is basically kind of like, anyway, anyway. And, and so he was, he was under um, kind of like his punishment from his umbrella kind of covering said that he couldn't do ministry for at least three years. And so all this drama happened. Now the church experienced a lot of, when something goes down like that, people just don't know what to do. I mean, think about it. It's their leader. And all of a sudden their leader falls into something like this. And so a lot of people started scattering around. And so what happens is two people from that church came to my mom's church. Okay. And one of those people that came was a beautiful single woman. She was divorced. 
um, but she was beautiful nonetheless. Now, everybody, oh, nonetheless, I don't know why I said that. It's not like divorced people are ugly, but anyway, she was, she was beautiful, period, okay? Very attractive woman. So, okay, mind you, the way, when my mom is telling me the story, I'm thinking like woman in her 20s, because she was like the older woman and the younger woman. And she was 50, okay? <laughs> the younger woman was 50, and I was like, dang, who was the older woman? I was like, all right, pastor. I was like, I don't, actually, I don't want to think about that. Um, and so two women came from that church. Now, everybody knew of the scandal. Now, what ended up happening was someone, I don't know who, but someone started a rumor that the woman that was single and beautiful was the woman that the pastor had committed adultery with. So now that conversation, okay, started with just two people just, and then it just spread like quick fire just takes a spark and just exploded. And it got to the point where people were calling our church pastor saying, you better watch out pastor. I don't know if you know, but that newcomer, she's that homewrecker from that other church. And she might just try to get up all on you. And he is like third, he's early forties. She's like late fifties. And he was like, so insulted. He's like, I mean, I'm happily married. My wife is beautiful. My wife is young. Anyway, so he was just, but my mom said that she heard, she heard, but she had such a compassion for this woman. Now she didn't know what the truth was because nobody could verify. It was basically just gossip. And my mom just continued to really reach out to this woman. And she said, this woman was just so sweet. Um, but it got so bad that people were distancing themselves from her. You know, people were all like, "Mm, hey, sister. Good to see you at church. You know, just all kinds of madness. And finally, someone had the, I was going to say something wrong. Someone had courage. (laughs) Y'all know I'm still, I'm still being sanctified. Y'all know that, right? You guys know it's a process, right? Anyway. Someone had the courage and the boldness to go up to this woman directly and say, are you the woman that the pastor slept with straight up to her face? I kind of wanted to applaud that person though, in a way, in a way, because she was like, enough is enough. Are you that woman? And that woman was like, no, it's not me. That's totally not me. And later on, they verified that it wasn't her. But for months, that woman was, her, her reputation was completely slandered. You know what I mean? You know that phrase, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you? That's such a lie. Whoever wrote that is ridiculous. That's like, I was going to say something wrong again. But that is, that is a lie. <laughs> That's not true. Some of our deepest wounds are actually not when we got hit. It's actually words that have been spoken over us. And it says in the word here that there is power to both bless and curse in the tongue. Now, I'm not going to just stay on the topic of gossip, but I wanted to quickly talk about how the tongue can destroy. You guys know that the tongue can destroy, right? I mean, back in the day, I used to fight a lot. But I was one of those fighters that didn't know how to physically fight because, I mean, look at me, right? But I was always the fighters that had people that could fight and I was always be in the back and just yelling, saying things like, yeah, get her. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Pitiful fighter. I'm a pitiful fighter. I was all barking, no bite, but I would just get into all these crazy fights, but my tongue was sharp. Let me tell you, it's funny because God has redeemed and restored and now I can preach and speak life, right? I can speak life now, but back in the day I spoke death and me and my girlfriends, we were just, cause we, we thought we were keeping it real. I was like, we got to keep it real. And I, I, I wasn't keeping it real. I was just being a terrible person. And I would just go and just say the most terrible things, but I would say some of the most harmful things to people and break them. But I knew that what I was saying did more damage than what a punch would do. I knew what I was saying would do much more damage than pulling somebody's hair because I could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why girls do that. They just stand there just pulling each other's hair. But like, I don't know if you guys ever watched the girls. But anyway, anyway, so... So now I want to talk about the tongue a little bit because the tongue can do a lot of damage. And you know what? If we were really real with ourselves, many of us have used our tongue to curse. And I'm not talking about the bleep, 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 bleep. Man, I used to curse every other word. Like I got so creative with my curses. Like I used it as like a noun, a verb, an adjective, like the same word. I don't know how, what I did. But one day I realized that it's not, it wasn't edifying to speak like that. And then I was active about kind of cleaning my mouth a little bit, but I used to curse all the time, but I'm not just talking about curse words. I'm talking about curses. Like you're not good enough. You're not a good friend. I hate you. I can't stand you. You're ugly. You're fat. You're disgusting. Some of you guys getting hurt right now. I'm not even talking to you about it. You're like, mm. Man, the, the power of words. You know, but the thing is, some of our most critical words is the words that we speak, not over our enemies, not over our families, our loved ones, but it's over ourselves. And the words that we speak over ourselves, if I were to take a transcript, kind of like if you were to go court and there's someone, you know, at that little typewriter typing every little thing. If I were to take a transcript of everything that you say over yourself or that you say about yourself, I wonder how much of it would be you blessing yourself and how much of it would be you cursing yourself. Now, I know we're not going around saying curse me. You know, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about saying words like, man, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm not going to make it. I'm just not a good Christian. I just need to stop. I can't, I'll never be able to quit. How many of the words that we say over ourselves are in alignment with God's word or in alignment with Satan's word? I know we're not, most of us don't go around saying I hate you or, you know, that to other people. Sometimes we do in rage. But, you know, unfortunately, the sad news is many of us hate ourselves. And we often find ourselves literally in war with ourselves. Because at the end of the day, the truth is you don't really like what you see. And when you look at yourself, all you see is the ways that you need to improve, the ways that you need to get better, the things that you need to fix, the things that you need to change, the things that you're not good at yet. 
and you are fixed on those things and those very things you just continue to speak out. You ever wake up and kind of get on the wrong side of the bed and you just say immediately, I'm going to have a bad day. I feel like today is going to be a bad day. You just kind of, you just said it. And lo and behold, you had a bad day. You know, there's power in your words, both when you speak to other people, but what you speak over yourself, there's power. In fact, God spoke the world into motion. He spoke the world into motion. Okay, when he created everything until man, he spoke and it happened. Now, you need to understand that we have such creative power in our words as well. And what comes out of your mouth, you are speaking into motion. Basically, it's like this. When I preach, I'm sowing seeds into you guys. That's the way I see it. And either those seeds will take into fertile ground. That always makes me think of why now, because a wise test me. Either that seed goes into fertile ground or it gets choked or it gets swept away. But regardless, I'm sowing seeds into all of you right now. And that word has creative power and you guys can take it and it can grow. But in the same way, the words that we speak over ourselves that are not in alignment with the word of God can do the very same thing. And we begin to plant gardens of insecurity and gardens of self-hatred. And we wonder why we can't get out of this pattern. So my question to you is what kind of seeds have you been sowing into your own life? What are the words that you have been speaking over yourself? What are the words? Because listen, your tongue has a power of death and life. That's how important, that's how powerful your tongue can be. You know, the thing is, I think too many times we go to church and we're taught to be self-hating. And we're taught to be like, oh, woe is me, I'm a sinner. And that that's actually like the righteous thing to do. That if you were to, at any point, believe in yourself, then you must not know God because now you're conceited and, you know, self-indulgent, whatever. And so we think it's the good thing. The good thing to do is, is you know, someone compliments you and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Glory to God. All glory to him. It's not me. It's not me. I have nothing. I am nothing. I am nothing. And, and, and we think we're holy when we say things like that. Man, can you imagine if you had a child and that's the way that they received compliments? It's like, oh, you're so beautiful, my daughter. No. <laughs> Mom, all oh, glory to God. I am nothing. Like, what, girl? Bugging. Yeah, exactly. Let me get the, let me get the amendment. That would be a weird, weird thing to get spanked for, right? You're beautiful. You're beautiful. <laughs> But we think that self-hatred and continuing to focus on your weakness is a righteous thing. It's not. Can I tell you? It says in the word that you're a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And many of us have been experts in resurrecting the dead. But I'm not talking about resurrecting the dead in that kind of the one that Jesus was talking about. I'm talking about resurrecting the dead, the person that was the old you. And we keep bringing it back to life. And we keep saying, hey, ha, let come forth old Matthew Coe, not Lazarus. <laughs> Come forth, forth, old Matthew Coe. 
Cause you're not disciplined and you're not good enough and you suck at prayer and you, you can't be good at this and you're, oh, I'm not talking about Matt Cole. Some in general. And we say these things to ourselves, to ourselves. And we think that focusing on such things is going to make you holy. It doesn't work like that. In fact, studies have shown, simply in educational purposes, studies have shown that children thrive on compliments. And the more you compliment them, the more progression that they see. As opposed to you thinking that children thrive on insults or uh, rebuke or punishment. Children don't thrive on punishment. They thrive on compliments. Why do we think that you and I are different? Now, I'm not talking about going around saying, I'm the best, I'm number one, I'm all that. But I am saying, just say the things that God says about you. I'm loved, I'm valued, I'm destined, I have gifts. There's nobody else in this world that is like me. Nobody else in this world. I'm called, I'm filled with the Spirit, I am disciplined, I am a prayer warrior. Yeah, these may not be things that you see today, but when you speak those out, what you are doing is you are now sowing into a garden of holiness. And you say those words, and that's what faith is all about, speaking what you don't see. But too many times we're so stuck on what we do see. And we look at our Christian walk, and we look at our lives, and we just say, you know what? We evaluate ourselves and we say, We're, I need to improve on A to Z. And we sow seeds of more insecurity and more self-doubt. I want you to just turn to your neighbor and I want you to say one thing that is positive. Come on. One thing that's positive. Just say something that's positive. Look at you. How come you guys are struggling with that? Why is that so hard? You see, this is easy. Peter Jacob, I like your mustache. Positive. Positive. Okay? Listen, in verse 12, it says, Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? When you and I speak negatively about ourselves, our situations, it's like planting oranges and expecting apples. Okay? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's like saying, man, I am terrible at this. I'm not good enough at that. I need to get better here. And you're planting, you're planting, you're planting more and more oranges thinking that Speaking those words are going to produce apples. We need to spend more time speaking over ourselves, over our families, over our situations, the things that speak life and not death. You know, there's a, a book written by Yonggi Cho. I don't know if you guys know him, but he's a famous pastor out here in Korea. And he pastors what used to be the world's largest church. I'm not sure if it still is. I think there might be one that's bigger. But it's a church in Korea that has like, and again, the numbers always get exaggerated or what, what is the number? 
700,000, 800,000 people go to this one church. And this pastor, Yonggi Cho, he uh, pastored that church from the ground up. And he wrote a book. And in this book, he describes meeting with one of the top Korean neurologists. And he's sitting and having brunch with this neurologist. And they're just sitting, chatting about different things. And this neurologist begins to talk to him about this man who was in a coma for, I don't know how long, but he was in critical condition. And Pastor Yonggi Cho had come to this man and he began to speak life over him. Okay. Now that man wakens up from his coma, but he's still completely paralyzed, but he can talk. And when he first begins to talk, all he says is, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And Pastor Yonggi Cho begins to look at him and he begins to say, no, you will not die. From now on, I want you to say, I will live. I will live. I will live. I will live. It was just simple instruction from Pastor Yonggi Cho. And so that man, I don't know how much he believed it, but that's all he would say. I'm going to live. I will live. I will live. I will live. I'm getting better. I'm getting healthier. This man was um, diagnosed by doctors to only have a couple of weeks to live. But would you know that he completely broke out of his coma, broke out of everything that was paralyzed and walked out of the hospital? The power of the words. So Pastor Yonggi Cho was talking about this experience with this neurologist, and he said, you know, I've been doing some studies about the brain. And what's interesting is the words that we speak, we actually receive back into our minds, and our body begins to respond. For example, if you say, I am sick, your brain is going to hear yourself speak those words and then send messages to the rest of your body saying that, alert, alert, you are sick, you are sick. And all of a sudden, the rest of your body is now going to react to that warning that you're sick and is going to work overtime. Now, when you begin to overwork, over, go, if you went, but, <laughs> when you begin to work overtime in your body, you're going to experience certain kinds of stress. Now, while other things are focused, other things are left behind. Does that make sense? And so your body begins to go to survival mode and anxiety begins to come. Fear begins to come all from a simple word. And he said, I've been learning more and more by just studying the brain, how powerful words are. And he says, my patients who have positive attitudes recover so much more faster than the patients who don't. Now, I'm not trying to preach positive thinking and looking in the mirror and being like, I'm beautiful. I'm loved. Actually, some of you guys should do that. But there's that SNL sketch. You guys know that SNL sketch? Is it smiley? Something smiley? Oh, man, it's old. It's like my generation. But there's this SNL sketch basically where this guy goes in and Gary Smalls, I think. And he always looks in the mirror and all he does is say like those like positive reinforcing words. And they're just making jokes about people who, you know, have those positive thinking books. Listen, what I'm telling you is not positive thinking. I'm telling you faith thinking. I'm not telling you to say positive filled words. I'm telling you to say faith filled words. I'm telling you when you say certain things, your brain actually responds. Your physical body begins to respond. Now, what's described here in James is a horse's um, bit. When you see a horse and you're riding a horse, I don't know when we would ride a horse. But in New York City, if you go to Central Park, they have horses where you can sit in a carriage. 
And it's not that much of an exciting ride, but you just sit. And they just kind of go, and it smells, and it's terrible. But if you look at the horse, they have this little iron piece in their mouth. And that's connected to a long extension of the, this long other piece, which is connected to their thing. I love how I'm like, so the reins, there we go. So this thing and this thing and this thing, all connected. But the whole movement of the, the body of the horse is controlled by this small bit. That is what controls the whole, where the, the direction of the whole horse. Your tongue is like that. Where your tongue goes in what you say is the direction of your whole body. If you are speaking over yourself, the insecurities that you have, that is the direction that you're going in. If you're speaking over yourself, the defeat and the anxiety and the fear, that is the direction that your whole body, your spirit is going to go in. Now, what's interesting is why is the tongue so powerful? Because it says in the word that out of the heart, out of the heart, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Which means what you say over yourself really means that's what's in your heart. Close your eyes for a second. Have you been speaking over yourselves life or death? When you relate to God and you think about your relationship to the Lord or even your relationship or your function as a student or as a daughter or as a sister or as a friend, what are the words that you're saying over yourself? Are you saying, I'm a good friend? Or are you saying, man, I'm a terrible friend? Now get this, you and I are still on our journey, you guys. We're not there yet. But we cannot speak negative things over ourselves until we get there. Because the only way we can get there is by speaking in faith. Now I'm just going to give you just a couple of minutes. And I want you to ask and search your heart. God, what are things that I say over myself that do not come into agreement with your word? Just think about that for a second. What do I say about the way I look? my appearance that does not come into agreement with your word that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made? What am I saying to myself about my relationship with you that doesn't come into agreement with the fact that I'm a new creation and the old has gone and the new has come? What am I saying to myself about my relationships with people and how I am as a, as a daughter, as a son, as a friend? Now, if you're able to think of some things that you know you have been continuously speaking over yourself that is not in alignment with the Lord, even if it's true, 
Even if it's true, listen, there are things that are true. We say things that are true. For example, man, I need to get better at my prayer life. Or I'm not a strong prayer warrior. That may be true, but when you speak that out over yourself, that's where you're going to stay. It's only when you say, no, I am strong in prayer that you begin to shift and move out of where you're at and you move towards the direction of becoming stronger in your prayer life. You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about the direction of where you're going. Your tongue leads the direction. And so if you can think of some things that have not been in alignment, are not in alignment to the direction of where God wants to lead you, I just want you to just raise your hand real quick. If you can think of something. All right, you guys can put your hands down. Now, I want you to imagine yourself writing those things out on a piece of paper. Literally, I want you to see the statement that you say over yourself and write it out on a piece of paper. And then I want you to look at the paper and I want you to see the statement. I want, to, I want you to ask God, God, what should I do with this piece of paper? And whatever you feel like he says, and I'm not talking about, you may not hear an audible voice, but just an impression that you get. The first thing that comes to your mind, what should I do to this piece of paper? I want you to just do right now. If it's to burn it, burn it. If it's to rip it, rip it up. All right, now open your eyes. Watch this. It's not about just taking the negative out of your life. It's about learning how to prophesy over your day. So when you wake up in the morning and you tell yourself, okay, I'm going to have a good day. You just began to prophesy over yourself. Now, what I mean by prophesying is not today. I'm going to meet someone in a blue sweater and that person's going to be named, named Kim and Kim is going to buy me a hot dog. I'm not talking about that kind of prophecy. Okay. I'm talking about prophesying over yourself, the very truths of God, which means God, I can rejoice in you all day today. I can walk in complete rejo rejoicing. I'm about to my words. I can walk in complete joy in my whole day because it says in your word that I can consider it all joy. I can consider all things pure joy. You just prophesied over your day. God, I'm going to prophesy right now that I'm going to minister to everybody that I come in contact with. That when I go to the classroom, even if I don't have a conversation with them, I'm going to release peace and I'm going to release love. Okay. Too many of us think that in order to release God's kingdom, you have to go over somebody and lay your hand on their head and that you got to say fire or, you know, you got to, I don't know, pray for healing. It doesn't work like that. You release the kingdom by stepping in to your classroom and knowing who you are. If you know who you are, you've just released the kingdom. That means the person that's depressed sitting right next to you is going to all of a sudden experience peace and they don't know why. Comfort simply by sitting next to you. That's how powerful, that's how potent it means to have Christ to live inside of you. That's what it means when Joshua was said, every step that your foot, your feet takes, I'm going to give to you. It literally means that wherever you go, you are taking the very kingdom of God with you. Now, when I so, when I wake up in the morning and I go downstairs and I say hello to the doorman who's always grouchy, I give him a big smile and I give him a bow. And then I say, have a good day. And I walk out. You know what I just did? I released the kingdom. 
And then I go to the subway and somebody just elbowed me. I turn, I look at them, I smile. Sometimes in faith. And then I walk away. What did I just do? I just released the kingdom. Even when you release forgiveness for someone who's obnoxious, you just release the kingdom. Someone just snapped at you. Someone was rude to you. And we get a lot of rude people up in Korea. Okay, a lot of rude people. You're speaking English and somebody's grilling you on the subway for speaking English. And I choose to forgive that person. You just release the kingdom. You just release the kingdom. Now, when you start your day, what I'm proposing to you as the last message is to prophesy over yourself. When you wake up in the morning, you come into agreement with the word of God. And you say, God, I'm going to have a good day. In fact, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what I face, it's going to be a good day. I'm not going to let the devil steal my joy. God, I'm going to encounter people. I'm going to bless people today because you blessed me to be a blessing. God, I'm going to have divine appointments today. I'm going to run into just specific people just so I can love on them because you're a God who just is all about divine appointments. The moment you begin to prophesy over your day, I'm telling you, your experience of life will radically change. And all of a sudden, your boring, not, you know, day in, day out kind of lifestyle will completely change if you understand the power of your tongue. Come on, tell your neighbor, prophesy over your day. Prophesy over your day. Now, we're getting ready to split up. And uh, I shared with this with student leaders last year. Uh, my little cousin had her, like, middle school yearbook. And you know how you, like, have quotes? on the side. And it's like, Oh, love you. MBW, BFFF, you know, and all these like, just like letters and you don't know what they mean. That was my senior. goes so retarded. It was just like, all, even when I look at it now, I don't know what it means. I'm like, I don't know what this means, but some people actually have like pretty unique quotes. And someone who wrote in my cousin's uh, yearbook as their quote from teenage mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. Okay. You already know it's going to be good. And it says, let's split up because we can do more damage that way. And basically some of you guys are about to separate and you're going to go back home and we're going to split up. But listen, it's not a sad thing. It's a happy thing because we're going to do much more damage that way. We're going to do much more damage that way. And when you look back at your time in going home and you look back at your remaining time here in Korea, I need you to use your tongue and to speak life over the remaining months. I need you to use your tongue and speak life over your new season, going back home, because it's not going to be the same unless you say it is. It's not going to be the same unless you agree with it. You're not going to go back to your old habits and your old ways unless you say yes and amen to that. You need to be careful with what you're coming into agreement with. And I'm saying prophesy over the remaining time. Don't prophesy curses, but prophesy life. You know, I'm someone that struggled all the time with insecurity. So severe. And nobody would really know it because I was a really cocky person when I was in high school. I was just like, I would walk like, you know, like that, with that face permanently on plaster. I don't know what that even means, but I'm, 
Like, I don't even know what was going on. But I walked, I talked, I acted as if I had everything all together. Like, I was impenetrable. But honestly, deep down inside, I was petrified at what people thought about me. I was consumed with how people perceived me. I was so in focused on not just the way I saw myself, but the way that others would see me. I mean, fear of man, it was no joke in my life. I was so insecure. I was so insecure. So if you take that kind of thinking, that mindset, and you try to put that person into ministry, do you know what happens? You know what happens? You get a minister that is a complete pushover or a minister that is a dictator. Either you control everything because of your insecurity or you let everything control you because of your insecurity. Either way, it's not a pretty picture. And when I started ministry here at Emmaus a couple of years ago, I was one of those people. I was so afraid all the time because I could not believe that I could be a good leader. Now, the only thing that completely radically transformed me was the words that people spoke over me. And the people that meant the most, my husband, people that I considered a mentor before Pastor Benjamin came into my life, the words that they would speak over me would always be, you are a great leader. And I would, you know, when I would hear those things, my initial reaction would be, you don't know me. Like, you don't see my everyday routine. I know me. I know what I think. I know what goes on in my mind. I know what I do. I know what I don't do. And if you really knew me, you wouldn't say that. Trust me. That would be my immediately, that would be my immediate response. Sometimes when you have people pray over you guys, that's your response. We say, you know what? God loves you. And you're like, yeah, okay, you don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. Or we say, you are victorious. You have the spirit of God. You're filled with the spirit. And the immediate response is, you are, we're so quick to just judge what we see in the natural. But what I didn't realize was those words that they were speaking over me, though it did not, though it wasn't for that, that very moment, because I wasn't a good leader yet. But the words that they spoke had creative power. And what happened was, as I continued to speak those very words over my life, I began to become that person. And day by day by day, I began to grow more and more and more in my leadership until I was able to say, you know what? I am a good leader. And when someone says that to me, I say, thank you. Not, no, glory to God. I say, thank you. And then I give glory to God in my private time. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, we can't lay down our crowns at Jesus' feet if we don't receive the crowns first. And so if you're sitting there judo blocking everybody's compliments and everybody's affirmation, what are you laying at Jesus' feet at the end of the day? When people come up to me and they're like, you know what, you're you're this, you're that, you're you know, a great preacher or you're a great leader. I say, thank you. I receive that. Thank you. I receive that. Thank you. I receive that. And I take those crowns. And at the end of the day, I get on my knees and I put them all back at the feet of Jesus. And I say, God, thank you for this. And thank you for that. And thank you for this, because without you, none of that would be possible. But you got to receive it first. I don't even know why I'm talking about that. All right. But that bless somebody in here. We got to use our tongues to bless. And so we're going to put that into action right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to just pray for one another. And what I want us to do is I want you to pair up. Try to pair.